0: Welcome to episode 17 of the VMA's podcast, where we'll be discussing the book of Deuteronomy. My name is Anton Brooks, and I'm here with David Schrock, the pastor of Preaching and Theology at Occoquan Bible Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. So let's start off with a general question. Can you give us an overview of the book of Deuteronomy?
1: Yeah, so this is gonna be the last word of Moses, really the last three words. There are three sermons, so to speak, that Moses gives here on the plains of Moab. Um, because of his sin, he has been told he will not enter into the promised land. And so he's giving his final testimony, his final word to the people of Israel before he is taken up by the Lord. Um, we know that uh, as he does that, he is renewing the covenant. Sometimes we think of Deuteronomy as the second law. It's not mm. a giving of a second law so much as it is a renewal of the covenant Um, that is given to the people of Israel so that the first generation that was there at Mount Sinai, uh, they have died. now. They passed away during the 40 years in the wilderness, and now it's the second generation preparing to go into the land. And so really, Deuteronomy is a covenant renewal for the people of Israel who are going into that land, and that this is going to be uh, what is known as the book of the law for the people of Israel who are going to continue to live in this way. So many of the things that you see in the book of Deuteronomy are related uh, to the land that they're going into and to enter. Uh, We also know that it's a, a covenant document because of the shape of the book. Uh, So in the first four chapters, we get something of a historical prologue, a reminder of the relationship that the people of Israel have with God, God taking initiative to save them and to be gracious to them. So it gives the history there. Then in chapter 4, very end, all the way through chapter 11, there are general stipulations uh, just to fear the Lord and to love the Lord and to serve the Lord. Uh, and then from there, chapter 12 to 26, there are specific stipulations. And in so many ways, these are f- uh, fleshing out the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words. Sometimes we think of the Ten Commandments as the ten things that God commands the people of Israel to do or the ten things he commands us to do. Uh, but really, it's words of instruction for the people who are in covenant with him. And these chapters from 12 to 26 are a uh, an explanation and an exposition of those ten Ten Commandments. Then we have blessings and curses in chapter 27 and 28. If you do these things, you'll be blessed. If you don't do them, you'll be cursed. Um, and then there is the uh, call for the Levites to continue to read these to the generations after uh, Moses and to put this law into the tabernacle and then a call of witnesses to this. And Moses writes some songs at the end. It's kind of a brief overview. And what we see is that the structure of Deuteronomy follows that of an ancient treaty structure. Uh, so just as the Hittites or the, um, the different ancient Near Eastern tribes and peoples around Israel would have a covenant that they would be making, uh, so this is a covenant document for the relationship that God would have with the people of Israel.
0: Wow. The book of Deuteronomy begins with the historical prologue, as you call it, where we see Moses retelling God's history with Israel. What should we take away from chapters 1 through 4?
1: Yeah, again, it's a a reminder of all the things that have taken place since the beginning of Exodus into Numbers. Uh, And so it reminds us that uh, the people of Israel... Uh, didn't first seek God, uh, but he first sought them. Even going back to, uh, to Abraham, God chose Abraham to bless him and to bless his offspring. God was faithful to those promises by bringing them out of um, of Egypt called the, the iron furnace, it's described. Um, brings them to Mount Sinai to make a covenant with them. He defeats kings along the way. So it just shows God's power and God's uh, care and love uh, for the people of Israel. Even later in Deuteronomy 7, he will say, uh, I love you because I set my love upon you. There's not anything in Israel, their righteousness or their size that makes them desirable, but God shows his mercy and his love to them in this way. And then it reminds the people of Israel that there is no other nation like Israel on the face of the earth. There is no mm. other nation that has been taken out of one people and brought to, to God himself. Right. Uh, no other nation that has heard the voice of God uh, and lived. And so those are some things that we see uh, beginning in the book of Deuteronomy.
0: So what are some things that we can learn from Israel's history? In particular, do you think that if we disobey God's direction today, that he may have the same type of anger with us?
1: Yeah, and what do you think? I mean, as you hear people uh, reading Deuteronomy, as you read this, what what are some of the ways that people might think that God's anger here may be the same as today?
0: Well, I definitely think that God's um, anger with sin mm-hmm. is the same. You know, yeah. God is the, is the same um, from the beginning of time and all the way through. The end of time, of course, he stands outside of time. Yeah. But time, as we humans um, look at it, but I do think that we are under we Christians, especially, are under a different um, covenant. We're yeah. under the the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, that is definitely one difference, uh, and that our judgment will will come from will come through the blood of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. versus um, direct, <laughs> as, as you can kind of see in, in in the Old Testament. For me, it seems like the things that need to happen in order for revelations to take place as it mm-hmm. was written, um, I can see that happening now. And I think that that, uh, that anger, as, as as the word we're using, will manifest just as it is revealed to us through Scripture um, in revelations and revelations in other places in the New Testament.
1: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about just what the changes is what Christ did on the cross, right? Right, yeah. Right, that what Christ accomplished on the cross was the... The drinking of the full wrath of God, so Mm. the the cup that is described in the Old Testament, Jesus came and drank it to its very dregs all the way down, uh, so that the wrath of God that comes righteously upon sin no longer stands on those who are in Christ, Right. right? And so this is that huge distinction that Paul will make later in the book of Romans, that everyone is either in Adam or in Christ. And the truth is, every single person born into this world, born in the flesh, is in Adam. Right. uh, Until God transfers them from the kingdom of darkness and death into the kingdom of his beloved son. Uh, And the means of that change is what Christ accomplished on the cross. So I I think it's important to see that the wrath of God um, that we see laid out in the Old Testament, even on the people of Israel, uh, has now been put fully on Christ mm-hmm. so that his anger and his punishment is no longer on his people, right? Right. And I think this is an important distinction because I think there's some people who still look at when they sin and something bad happens to them, or even worse, sometimes when something bad happens to them and they're not even sure why it's happened to them, they begin searching their past, right. they begin searching their heart to say, what sin have I done that God is punishing me for? But if they're in Christ, there is no more punishment mm-hmm. that God is requiring of them. And I think we make, need to make a distinction between punishment and discipline. Mm-hmm. Right? As a heavenly father, he trains us, he teaches us, he disciplines us. Right. But that's not the same as the punishment and the wrath of God that is put upon us. Right. Right? And so I think it's important to see like a passage in Galatians 3 where it takes the language of Deuteronomy 27 to 28 of blessings and curses, and it speaks about what Christ has accomplished, right? It says in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And so if you want to know what that curse of the law is, go read Deuteronomy 28, right? And all of those lists of just the, the wrath of God in a variety of ways, like he's removed all of that Because he's put it all on Christ. He became a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That's Deuteronomy 21 that's being quoted there. So that in Christ... In Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So here, Paul again is writing a book where Jew and Gentile continue to be at issue here. And he's saying that the promises of blessing have now gone to the nations, have gone to the Gentiles. And we who've been waiting for the spirit have now received that spirit along with the Gentiles, Mm -hmm. right? And in this way, we can see that all the curses have been removed. And now we have every spiritual blessing blessing that is in Christ that is given to us because of what he has done so that the wrath of God that we see in the Old Testament is no longer hanging over our heads if we're in Christ. Right. But rather it was fully paid for on the cross.
0: So how do we deal with the wrath more or the anger of God when we're talking about those who aren't in Christ, you know, yeah. in today's time?
1: That's a great question. Um, you know, I think one thing that we see is that because every single image bearer made by God, made for His glory, made in His image, uh, they come into the world in relationship with God, mm-hmm. but it's a broken relationship, right? They're in Adam, right. right? And so because of Adam's one sin, it led all of humanity uh, into disobedience, as Romans 5 talks about. And so now those outside of Christ are under the wrath of God. Romans one we'll talk about how they're storing up, Romans 2, will be storing up the wrath of God on their head by their actions against God. And so, for those outside of Christ, we preach the gospel. We we tell them about Jesus. We pray for them. We uh, love and share and and serve others so that they might see Christ in us, mm-hmm. and then tell them the good news of Christ so that they might come to faith in Christ. Uh, but without Christ, without a mediator, uh, then they themselves would pay the penalty for their own sin.
0: Yeah. In Deuteronomy 3, 23 through 27, we are reminded why Moses was not permitted to go into the promised land. Moses said God was angry with him. How should we understand God's anger here? If Moses can't enter the promised land, what hope is there for us?
1: Yeah. You can read this, and certainly if you've been reading through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Moses is the man, Mm -hmm. right? When Aaron fails, Moses intercedes. He's able to go before God. I mean, he's doing all these things. And yet, as he's with the people, he ultimately comes to a place where he identifies himself with God and the sins of the people against him and God. Mm -hmm. uh, And instead of obeying God's word of speaking to the rock in Numbers uh, 21, um, he instead strikes the rock. right? Um, and in this way, uh, God punishes him and says, you cannot enter into the land. That's the word. That's but, the word
0: I was thinking about was punished because he didn't enter the, into the land, but yeah. he still entered into the presence of God at death.
1: He did. And and think about this. Like, what's the end of the story with Moses? Right. Like, do we find Moses living and talking and speaking again anywhere in the Bible?
0: <laughs> yeah, the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: He's in the land. Right, yeah. Right? He's with Christ. I mean, I take both. I mean, this is a sobering thing to see Moses' death, but it's also an encouraging one. What Moses wanted more than anything was to go into the land. Right. And yet the land was a type of a greater reality. Mm-hmm. And that greater reality was Christ. That's right. So, in this way, his sin prevented him from entering into the type, but it did not prevent him from entering into the real thing. Right. Right. And so, ultimately, what his heart desired a heart that was shaped by God himself, was to know and to be with God forever. And that's exactly what God did. Right. And I think it's just an encouraging thing to us to realize that there, as a follower of Christ, as one who has been chosen before the foundation of the world, purchased by the blood of Christ, and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, there is nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from the love of Christ, mm. right? for the love of God in Christ. Um, and so here we see how the end of the story finishes with Moses and it's a good ending, right? Right. If we just finish with Moses, he's dead. He doesn't get into the land there in Deuteronomy. It's like, man, what what hope is there? But when you read the rest of the story, realize there's incredible hope uh, for all of us.
0: Yeah, that's right. I agree with that. We find the Ten Commandments listed in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5. So why are they listed twice? Why are a duplication of the Ten Commandments? And is there a difference?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, again, it reminds us that the covenant at Exodus mm-hmm. or the covenant uh, at Sinai in Exodus is not a different covenant than the one that we find in Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy is a renewal of that. So I think the repetition of those 10 commandments uh, help us to see that he's continuing on this core of this commandment or this core of this covenant that is there. Right. We also see how Moses is going to um, explain these Ten Commandments, right? Because the arrangement of Deuteronomy beginning in chapter uh, 5 through 11 really unpacks the first commandment to have no other gods before uh, the God of Israel. And then the rest of the commandments begin to unpack the rest of the. So you say uh, chapter 12 through 26 begins to unpack the rest of the commandments. So you have a number of chapters. And we're talking about the Sabbath, Mm-hmm. Right, uh, And the different things with regards to the Sabbath. So when we read, you know, keep the Sabbath holy in uh, Exodus 20, and again here in Deuteronomy 5, it's like, what does that mean? If we begin just saying, well, just don't do anything on that day, that's often how we read that or say mm-hmm. it's only a day for the Lord, which it is set apart for the people of Israel under the Old Covenant. But it's helpful to see the multiple chapters that are talking about the Sabbath laws mm-hmm. there in Deuteronomy. Right? And we see that, we begin to have a greater understanding of that. Likewise, when it says to honor your mother and father, well, that relates to the whole structure of authority uh, there in Israel. And so Deuteronomy 16, Deuteronomy 17, Deuteronomy 18, are you talking about priests and judges and um, kings and prophets and all these leaders in Israel? Well, that's an extension of the command to honor your father and your mother. Right, mm-hmm. that the king in Israel was a brother, right. right, and had to be a brother. And if there was a king outside of Israel, uh, he couldn't be a king there. And so we can see how even Moses is doing expositional preaching. Right, right? if there is an, um, an apologetic for doing expositional preaching, it begins with Moses, right? Who is expounding these Ten Commandments there. So in this way. We see continuity between Exodus and Deuteronomy, and we see expansion right. uh, as well, and the application of these laws to the people of Israel as they're going to go into the land.
0: So, I'm going to insert another question, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And the question is, so we we have the Ten Commandments, and we mm-hmm. talk about the law under the Old Covenant, which, are, which the Ten Commandments were a part of. So how do we apply the Ten Commandments to us today? I know the answer to the question, mm-hmm. but I want to see if my, well, I think I know the answer. I wanna see sure. if, if what I'm thinking in my head lines up with what you say.
1: Yeah, so we can probably approach this just in the different ways that the law is used. Mm-hmm. Right? The New T- Testament teaches us this, and it's not just one way, but first of all, it teaches us what God's moral um, uh, moral commands are, mm-hmm. right? what his standards of holiness are. Right. right? So we learn his character and what holiness is by looking at those Ten Commandments. Secondly, when we look at ourselves, we realize we've broken every single one of them. Right. right? Yeah. It teaches us that, okay, it is not by the law that we will find our life. It actually condemns us and teaches us of our need for salvation and a Savior. Third, it gives a um, a list of job qualifications for that mediator. Right. right? Yeah. Jesus Christ comes and he fulfills all the Ten Commandments. We could say that by going through them and thinking about what this means to honor father and mother, Right, what it means to um, be sexually pure, not to commit adultery, not to bear false witness—like Jesus did all those things, mm-hmm. right? And so, in the life of Jesus, we see the Ten Commandments incarnate, right? Yeah. Right? And in that way, we can see what it looks like for a human being to do these things, right? And then ultimately. When we put all that together, we realize, okay, I can't, but Jesus can. Mm -hmm. My trust is in him and his death on the cross. He did not deserve to die on the cross. He died for my sins. He became a curse for us. By trust in him, now I find life in him. And now these 10 commandments begin to instruct me the life that I am to live. And ultimately that the most tricky of all of them is the Sabbath command, mm-hmm. right? Which again Jesus applies to himself. If he is the ten commandments incarnate, and when he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest, when that Sabbath command is not just to go and to set our stopwatches on Sundays about how much time that we may spend watching football or something else. Right. Well, maybe we should do that. Right. <laughs> ultimately is do I find my rest In Christ, right? Or am I trying to work in order to please God or to do my religious rituals in order to gain His favor? Ultimately, it's leading us to find our perfect rest in the work that Christ completed.
0: Amen. You mentioned in the previous question that Moses expounds further on each of the Ten Commandments. Can you explain that further?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, simply stated that when we begin in chapter 12, right, we see. Uh, the way in which that Moses is going to begin talking about the Lord's chosen place of worship. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to begin to explain where it is that the people of Israel are, are to worship, right? So the command to not make graven images, uh, is one that now has a positive command to say, this is how you will worship. You will worship in this place, in this temple, when you come into the land. I will set my my name uh, upon this place that is there. There's a warning against idolatry, which would be another expansion of that command against graven images at the end of chapter 12. Um, when we come into um, clean and unclean foods, uh there and tithes and uh chapter 15 the sabbatical year we begin to see how the sabbath is being explained in these different ways Um, and then from there we just see how each of the commands are going to be explaining the different ten commandments so it just helps us to see instead of a singular command and then how we apply that directly to ourselves that actually Moses gives us more specifics on how these 10 commandments will be played out there, which help us then to move towards the prophets and towards Christ and towards ourselves. So
0: how should we understand the covenant blessings and curses that we find in Deuteronomy 27 and 28?
1: Well not the way you're going to hear it on TBN <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah. and the way that it is often applied by prosperity preachers yeah right I mean the, the blessings are incredibly material mm-hmm. right you know even the promise that um, your enemies will flee from you if you are blessed by the Lord and mm-hmm. um, you will be cursed and your enemies will overtake you if you are cursed of the Lord. Um, you know sometimes those who are most blessed of God are the ones who are being completely overrun.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
1: I mean, those in uh, persecuted countries and even ourselves, I mean, it's possible to, to lose jobs because of our faith to Christ. And mm-hmm. So we can't apply it directly to ourselves today. Ultimately, I think we have to, again, apply it through what Christ did on the cross. Gen- uh, Galatians 3, 13 14 is a really helpful passage here to realize that. Jesus should have received all the blessings from God. Right. Right. Because of his perfect obedience to God, his sinlessness. Instead, he received all of the curses, Mm -hmm. right? All of the wrath of God poured out on him. These curses were poured out upon him on the cross. But in his resurrection, now he is the firstborn from the dead and all the blessings are given to him Mm -hmm. so that those who are in him can be said in Ephesians 1, all the blessings are in Christ, all the spiritual blessings are in Christ. And this promise of inheritance um, is given to those not yet now, but in the age to come when the resurrection takes place right? Because ultimately these blessings are material blessings in the land, in the inherited land that Israel is going to receive. And so Israel, again, is a type of this greater reality when the whole heavens and earth will be remade. Jesus has received the authority to that. And one day we will see a new heavens and a new earth that his people will receive in this blessedness. Uh, That's what we're waiting for today.
0: If these blessings and curses don't directly apply to us, how should we read them is there anything in the text that gives us a clue to reading them?
1: Yeah. Again, when we hear the words blessings and curses, we probably are going to define them. However we think of them in our culture, in our day to day. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're going to find some other dictionary or encyclopedia to define them. And, Instead, when you say this is where the definition comes from, when Paul speaks of blessings and curses, as he often does, like the definition encyclopedia is found in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, which I think also means that it gives us a greater understanding when it says that Christ became a curse for us like everything in Deuteronomy 28 fell upon him, mm-hmm. right? It expands our understanding of the suffering that he endured in our place and the suffering that we would have to endure if we haven't trusted in Christ. Right. At the same time, the blessedness here is a very physical, material blessedness. That promise still remains, But it remains in the resurrection in the age to come, right? We don't have that material promise here and now, but one day we will in ways that are far greater than any prosperity preacher can give to us. So I do think it applies to us in instructing us about blessings and curses, but we need to think of it in the elongated version of redemptive history Mm -hmm. that leads to the age to come more than in the immediate today.
0: Right, I definitely agree with that. The book ends with a song of Moses in chapter 32, a blessing of Moses in chapter 33, and the death of Moses in chapter 34. How should we understand these?
1: Yeah, when Moses writes this, again, he's recognizing that he's soon to pass away from the earth. Mm -hmm. So he's writing for a future generation. And one of the things that he sees... Um, again, he's a prophet. The Lord is speaking to him and through him is that he sees the people of Israel will rebel again, Mm -hmm. right? He sees that even in Deuteronomy 4. He will see that and say that in Deuteronomy 30. And so he gives this song in Deuteronomy 32 to be able to say, when you are in a foreign land and you are oppressed because you've broken all these commands and these curses have come upon you, may this song remind you of this covenant, of, of these promises right? To remember God, to repent, and to cry out again so that he may return you to the land. Right? So in fact, later in Ezekiel, it will describe the fact that no longer will you remember the exodus, which was the identifying um, event of Israel's history, but rather it will be the exile right. where the people are brought back from Babylon into the land. Right, And so it seems as though as they are cast out of the land, which will take place in 586 and beyond, um, that Moses is preparing for that. Mm-hmm. Right, He's not just thinking about the next year. He's thinking about actually like 500 years. No, it would be 900 years into the future is what he is seeing here. Um, And so it reminds us of that. The death of Moses is kind of a strange passage, right? Could it be that he is writing about his own death? Could be. He's a prophet. Uh, But it seems more likely that someone after him, probably Joshua, uh, has written this, Mm -hmm. Um, which is important and helpful uh, to see that Moses will say in Deuteronomy to not take away or to add anything to these words. Mm-hmm. Which, if you read that, you realize, but wait a minute, we have Joshua. And we have Judges, and we have the rest of the Bible, so how does that work? Well, it's important to see that what we have in the Law of Moses becomes the foundation stone, or foundation stones, on which all the rest of the Bible is built. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that no prophet is going to come, but what they are quoting and pointing back to the Law of Moses, and then everything that is said is in keeping with that. And really, this is how the canon continues to unfold, right? When the New Testament authors are writing, they're constantly quoting from the Old Testament, Testament and Mm -hmm. showing how Jesus came and fulfilled it, right? So how do we know that the apostles are true to the Word of God, that they're inspired? Well, it's because it resonates with what was written in the Old Testament. Right. Because ultimately, it's one spirit that is writing all of this here. Uh, So those are a few things uh, that we see as, as the book closes.
0: Is there anything else to consider when we think about Deuteronomy?
1: Yeah, you know, maybe just one other thing, and that is, when we think of Deuteronomy, it's kind of the encapsulation of the old covenant, right? When we think of old covenants, the covenant that is given to Moses, and really the book of the law, Deuteronomy, uh, serves to bring that all together. But strikingly, in Deuteronomy 30, it actually speaks of a new covenant, mm-hmm. right? Because Deuteronomy 10:16 says, it commands, circumcise your hearts, right? So, God's plan always was not just for the flesh to be, you know, circumcised, but rather that the heart would be circumcised. And so that command comes there. But the people of Israel prove they can't do it. Right. Right. But Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 says that God will circumcise your hearts. Right. It's a promise of the new covenant. So even before Moses is taken off the earth, there is already the promise of a new covenant. We don't have to wait for Jesus for that promise. We don't even have to wait for Jeremiah for that promise. But from the beginning, we can see how a new covenant was promised, which teaches us once more that everything that Moses has said is in preparation for something later and greater to come. We see a pattern in Moses and the words that he has there, but we don't yet see the substance. Right. Uh, and even Moses bears witness to that.
0: All right, this concludes today's discussion of Deuteronomy. As you follow along with this reading plan, if you have any questions or comments that you would like us to discuss, please send them to viaemmaus at obc.org. You may hear a response in an upcoming episode.
1: Via Emmaus is a podcast of Occoquan Bible Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Our prayer is that you would read the Bible and read the Bible better. For more resources related to this episode and the gospel-centered ministry of God's Word, visit obc.org.